This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right. Thank you. Good to see you here this morning. Praise the Lord. I think you made a good choice by being in the house of God today. I believe when you honor Him on the first day of the week, with the first fruits of your life, God will bless the rest of your week, so you're here. So if you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hands, get your hand up real high, we'd like for you to get the Word of God. Hey, as they're doing that, let me just share something from my heart real quick there. In Romans 8, uh, verses 1-2, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of Life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. And I, I, I sense there may be some of you in here right now that you are beating yourself up or allowing the devil to beat you up because of sin in your life. I, I really sense the Lord saying, repent and let it go. Whoever that's for, just, just say, Lord, right now I repent of that and I let that stuff go. And you know, the Bible says that if you'll confess your sin to God, acknowledge it, that he'll forgive you. And so... There you go. That's for somebody. That'll help you if you'll release that, all right? Well, praise the Lord. Just a couple of people I want to honor here real, real quick. Will, why don't you stand up? Here's Will, one of our Marines. He's, he's home for a few days. Bless you. Bless you. We pray blessings over you. We love our military. And then, um, I, I, Rose, why don't you stand up wherever you're at here? This is, this is Rose. She... She was back in our church in the beginning of time, and uh, man, it's been many years, and actually some of the stories that you've heard me tell about a woman that was one of the, the greatest stories of overcoming was Rose. This is her, and periodically, yeah. She's wrote me letters over the years, and Rose, I still have every one of those letters you wrote me, so bless you. <laughs> All right, well, praise the Lord. If you need a Bible or you got one already, go to the book of John, chapter 5. We're going to be in John 5 and then John 2 for most of the morning. We'll bounce around a little bit to help you ones who like to know where I'm going. That's where we're headed. Talking about obedience. Now, we've been talking about giving, and this is our fifth week on it. Uh, If you hadn't heard all of them, I, I believe biblically it will help you, okay? There's scripture in there that Jesus wants us to get a hold of, to be givers. And so this will tie into it to a a way. But again, through the headline up there this morning, the key that opens the doors to God's promises are always obedience. And part of the issue that we have as human beings, that whether we want to admit it or not, we carry this little invisible bag around with us, and it's an invisible excuse bag. And we can hear the Word of God, we can listen to the Word of God, but oftentimes it's, it's easier in our opinion just to reach in and take that little excuse out of that bag and say, but what about this, Lord? But what about this? And understand this, that my excuses don't excuse me, they just put off the inevitable. And so I got to get a hold of the Word of God and Part of this today, you'll find out, is not only obedience, but God wants to bless you. But am I willing to do what it takes to be blessed? Am I willing to obey Him? And in James chapter 1, verse 22, James said this, he said, Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Be doers of the word. So with that thought there today, 
Am I a doer of the word? And you know what? You can make a decision to do that. So we begin this morning, John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there's in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. Now the word Bethesda means the place of outpouring or the house of grace. And really this pool was attached to a church. A church called St. Anne's is where this was. And so literally this pool was at a church. It was at the house of God. Keep reading verse 3. And in these lay a great multitude, great crowds of sick people. Blind, lame, paralyzed. And they were waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, two words that really should jump out to every one of us pertaining to verse 4 is whoever and whatever. You know what that means? That applies to every one of us in this room because you're a whoever and you may have a whatever this morning. Something that has kept you bound up, that something that may have kept you tormented in life. But understand this, God's got a plan for us. Verse 5. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. And that's a long time. 38 years. And many times in our life, we hope for change. And we hope for change. And we keep hoping for change. But part of the issue comes when I keep doing what I've always done and expect a different result. In other words, I I can't keep doing everything I've always done because it'll always end up the same. So there's times in my life that I've got to say, you know what? I've been doing it this way and I figured out I'm not getting any better. Situations in life aren't getting any better. So maybe I just ought to get a hold of the word of God and start listening to what God said. Verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Now, what type of question is that, Jesus? Do you want to be made well? I mean, really, when you look at that, you would say, duh. Do I want to be made well? Well, I've been in this condition for 38 years. But one thing I begin to see out of this, that when Jesus said to him, do you want to be made well? Jesus was looking for this man to give him permission to move in his life. And a lot of times we overlook that thought right there. How many of us get saved by just the thought of, I want to be saved? No, the way we get saved is we ask Jesus to come into my heart. I give him permission to be Lord of my life. How do you get forgiven? i got to ask him to forgive me. So in this sense right here, the Lord is saying, do you want to be made well? Give me permission. Give me permission to do what I desire to do in your life. Now here's the thing for me and you that we got to understand. When Jesus says, do you want to be made well? Am I willing to do what he asked me to do to receive what he has for me? Am I willing to do those things? 
So we read here in verse number 7. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. You know what this guy does? He reaches into that invisible excuse bag. And he takes one out. And the very first thing he says is, I can't. I can't do that. I've been in this predicament now for 38 years. I can't do it. The second time he pulls in there, he says, I have nobody to help me. So that shows me right there that his eyes were on somebody, a human being and not Jesus's. And that's very easy for me and you to be in the same category. Let me ask you right now. Do you have some issues in your life? Who are your eyes on? Do you look at your boss? Do you look at your spouse? Do you look at everybody but Jesus? And then the last excuse he brings out is he said, this is way too hard. This is way too hard. But think about it in this sense. Would Jesus ever ask me and you to do something that he wouldn't grace us or give us the ability to do? No, he would do every bit of that. And so this guy, he he pulls out these excuses back. But I go back to what Jesus said. Do you want to be made well? And again, when I look at this here, the guy begins to make excuses. And so as we go back to the question, do you want to be made well? Why don't we just fill in the blank right here? Do you want to be? What's the blank that needs to be filled in in your life? And if I... Know the answer to that question, which oftentimes when we say, I want this to happen in my life, I know the answer. The problem is this. I just don't want to obey. I just don't want to do what I know I'm supposed to be doing. And so literally, when I live with these excuses, I live in excuse land. And one of the greatest excuses we come up with as people is it's easier to blame somebody else. To say, well, the reason I... I don't have this or I don't have that is because of my mom, because of my dad, because of my spouse, because of my boss. And it's very easy to live that way. But you know what I found in life? The only one I'm responsible for is me. And really, I can't change me. If I could have changed me, I'd have tried to do that a long, long time ago. If I could have changed me, I would have been about 6'3". And I'd still have a full head of hair. And I, I mean, I, I would be ripped and cut. I mean, I would be a miniature Arnold Schwarzenegger. Come on, you guys, the pastor, you're close. You're, you're real close then. Huh? But see, again, I can't change anybody and you can't change anybody. But what happens is when Jesus comes into my life. And that's part of, of not only me surrendering to Jesus, but many times in our life we want to change everybody else. And I, I can't change anybody, but I can pray for them. I pray for my family. I pray for people to say, Lord, you deal with their hearts. And so, again, if that question is hard for you to answer, it may very well be you know the answer. You just haven't obeyed. So we pick back up, verse 8. So Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Now note here that when Jesus speaks to him, Jesus didn't say, listen, dude, I feel bad for you. It's not fair that you have to go through this in life. No, to a degree. And now think about this when I say this. 
Jesus did everything in a motive of love. But to a degree, Jesus looked at the dude and said, Shh, hush, just rise, take up your bed and walk. Now, again, would Jesus have told this guy to do this if it wasn't possible? No. Jesus told him, rise up, take up your bed and walk. But understand this, to do that, I'm going to have to step out by faith. I'm going to have to have faith. And my faith is not in anything but what Jesus said. And Jesus right here says, listen, dude, I give you permission. Take up your bed and walk. Now, you know what he could have said? I'm out. There's no way. That's not going to happen. But yet something happens in every one of our lives when we grab a hold of the things that Jesus says by faith and we don't let go. We, we, we bite down on it like a bulldog does and says, I'm not going to let go till that happens. Now keep reading here. And immediately the man was made well. He took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. So what we see right here is the doing, the obeying, it brought fruit to the man's life. And anytime I obey the word of God, things are going to begin to happen. But a lot of times we get into this mindset also. Well, it didn't happen overnight. Well, just because it didn't happen overnight doesn't mean it's not working. I just got to grab a hold of those things by faith. And this is exactly what this guy did. And so understand this, the blessing will always follow the doing. It always follows the doing. And I know this, there's people in this room right now that will say stuff like this. Well, it won't work for me. But again, we jump back to what he said in verse 4. Are you a whoever? Yeah. Are you a whatever? Well, in the book of Acts chapter 10, it says that God is no respecter of persons. And so again, I have the same opportunity to believe God. To believe Jesus' word as this man did. And I'll live one of two ways. I'll live by the truth of the word of God. John 8 verse 31, 32 says the truth will set you free. Or I'll live under the consequences of not believing the truth. Now turn back just a couple pages to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. See again, it was just Jesus' love for the guy. He loved the guy just like he loves me and you. John 2 verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding in Canaan of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour is not yet come. His mother said to his servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, verse 5 is going to be the, the main topic here for me and you. Whatever he says to you, do it. Now, what would happen if we begin to live our lives that way? I'm going to tell you, things would happen. Things would be great. Whatever he says to you, do it. Now, to understand this passage of Scripture right here, i got to understand Jewish custom. Number one, that when a... A, a Jewish uh, man and woman were going to get married. This was a feast for a whole week. I mean, they partied for the whole week. And so what happened was they would make the groom and the bride like royalty. Man, they would pray, play blessings on them. And it was a week-long party. Now, the groom's family 
was responsible for the feast and the reception. And so they knew that people planned for the whole week to be there, but the only time they would leave early was when they began to run out of food or drink. But if you ran out of food or drink early, it was a disgrace. It was more than an embarrassment. Actually, it broke the law of hospitality. So you didn't want to run out early. It would be a bad thing to run out early. Understand this. In this passage, Jesus and his mother Mary are related to the groom. Their family. And the reason you don't find Mary's husband, Joseph, mentioned in there, Joseph's already dead. He's gone. But they're there at the wedding. So Mary sees that they're beginning to run out of wine. And she says, not good, not good, not good. We're family and we don't want them to be embarrassed. So think about this. She says, no wine. And Jesus looks at his mom and says, it's not my time. And mom says, whatever he says to you, do it. And Jesus looks at mom and goes, thanks, mom. Appreciate it. Thanks for putting me on the spot here. So you begin to get a side here of what's going on. Now, for the rest of this passage, me and you are going to get plugged into the story, okay? You're one of the servants and I'm one of the servants. So Jesus' mom looks at me and you and says, whatever he says to you, do it. You got it? Got it. We got it. Verse 6. Now there was set there six water pots of stone. According to the manner of the purification of the Jews, this was religious tradition, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, he said to me and you, fill the water pots up. With water. Fill the water pots up with water. Now, when Jesus says that to me and you, we begin to make eye contact and we begin to look at each other. And we're looking at each other like, did he say what I think he said? These people are expecting wine and he said, fill these water pots up with water. So I look at Greg and I think, he's crazy. And I look at Philip and we get the same mindset. This doesn't make any sense. You don't put water in these and expect there to be wine in them instead. But then I got to fall back on to what Mary said. Mary said, listen boys, whatever he says to you, do it. And he said, fill the water pots up with water. But understand this as a servant. If this goes bad. Me and you can be executed. This would be more of a disgrace than running out. To sit there and tell people, come up here and have a swig of this, and all it is is water. So, guess what me and you got to do? We got to step out by faith. And even though in the natural it doesn't make sense, and even though in the natural it may sound crazy, again I fall back and say, whatever he says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to obey it. In other words, I don't question it. I don't pray about it. I don't think about it. I just do it. I just do it. Again, it'll take faith. It's going to take faith to step out and do that. So we go back to verse 7. Jesus said to them, 
filled the water pots up with water. And they, me and you, we filled them up to the brim. Now, this is where it gets really good, okay? When Jesus said fill the water pots up with water, he didn't mention one thing about how much. He said fill the water pots up with water. So me and you, in our brilliance, we could have put a third in there. We could have put a half. We could have put three quarters in there. But no, we push it to the limit. We push it to the brim where it's very close to being pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And with the measure you give, it will be measured back to us. And so understand this. As the servants, you know what Jesus said? You guys control the measure. You decide what you put in. And again, this is how it looks like in this passage here. We take water or what we have in the natural. We bring it to Jesus. And you know what Jesus does? He takes what we have in the natural and he makes it supernatural. It's exactly what he does with our finances too, guys. But in this passage right here, he said, just do it. Just obey me. And it's very easy to say, well, Jesus, I'm on a fixed income. Well, who's fixing it? I'm on a limited income. Well, who's limiting it? See, oftentimes, we're the very ones that have fixed it and limited it. We haven't allowed Jesus to do what, we, what he desires to do for every one of us. And so, again, I want to be blessed, but am I willing to do what he says to be blessed? Ooh, this is good right here if you'll get a hold of this. Because all Jesus said... Give me what in the natural you have. Let me have it. Let me have it. See, there was, there was no significance in the water, guys, okay? I've watched on TV before where people are sailing, selling holy water from Israel. There's nothing about the water, Okay? It only comes supernatural and only becomes a miracle when Jesus touches it. And even in this sense right here, we could all look and say, you know, Pastor Jimmy, after the service, me and you, we, we got to get to Home Depot and we got to buy some of those pots because that's where it's at. Those water pots, that's it. No, it's not it. Jesus is it. And Jesus takes the things of the natural and makes it supernatural. So the servants, they stepped out by faith. And when they stepped out by faith, miracle began to take place. Keep reading, verse 8. So he said to them, draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. Now that's us. <laughs> this is good right here. He said, take some to the master of the feast. And so I look at Anthony and say, Anthony, you take it to the master of the feast. No, I believe they held fast to what Jesus told them to do. And they said, you know what? If he said this is what we're going to do, we're going to hang on to it. Verse number 9. And when the master of the feast or the master of the ceremony had tasted the water that was made wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior you have kept the good wine until now. Now let me read into some of this that I begin to see in this. Why do we wait until we don't have nothing 
before we start trusting God. We don't have to wait till we don't. You can step out right now. And even this, why do we wait till the end to have the best? I can have the best right now if, if I'll just start obeying what he said. Now, this is even good too. This will help us. When you look at what Jesus did right here, Jesus was at a wedding and it was with family. You know what this showed me? That if your family is important to you, it's important to Jesus. And if a wedding's important to you, a wedding's important to Jesus. And so in other words, whatever you're doing in your life, understand this, that if it's big in your life, it's big to Jesus too. He loves those things. And even more so that Jesus begins to show every one of us this right here. That there's got to be a balance in my life. And you know what the balance is? There's a time I go to work and I work and there's a time of pleasure. And guess what? Jesus enjoyed pleasure. Jesus enjoyed those things of life. And I think that's permission to me and you to think, you know what? I need to enjoy life. But when you read about Jesus, whether it was at work or pleasure, it was always about people. It was always about making people better. And this is exactly what Jesus does right here. Now, to help you a little bit more, go back to verse 4. You got to say this. Jesus said to his mother, woman, and in no way was he disrespecting here. He said, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. You know what Jesus is saying right here? He's saying, mom, you understand who I am. You understand I'm the Messiah. You understand I'm the son of God. But they don't recognize me for who I am. All they see me is cousin Jesus or however he was related. And basically he's saying here, because they don't recognize me or acknowledge me for who I am, therefore they don't ask me into their situation or their problems. But when me and you recognize him for who he is, and we say, Jesus, you're Lord of my life, you know what he says? Come on, come on, bring me your problems, bring me your circumstances. I love to fix life for you if you'll give me an opportunity. And so there's an invitation right here that he's saying, come on, hook up to me. Come on, let me live live with you, let me bless you. And so it's what I said earlier, he wants to bless every one of us. But am I willing to do what he asked me to do to receive those blessings? Now turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 7. And as you're turning there, I'm going to make a point, and then biblically it'll prove itself out here. The blessings that God wants to bless me with don't just happen because I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. The blessings of God don't happen to me and you just because I'm born again, okay? You say, well, show that to me in the Bible, okay? We'd love to. Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken to him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
And the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these saying of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now, let's look at this in depth here. There's two characters in this verse. That's it. No more. There's a wise man, and there's a foolish man. And if you read this in the whole passage there, you find out both of them heard the word of God. Both of them heard the word of God. The only thing I see in the difference was in verse 24. One of them does the word. And in verse 26, one of them doesn't do the word. And so again, both of them heard the word of God. But one of them obeys and the other didn't. And it literally says that the one who heard the word and obeyed, his house was built upon a rock. But the one who heard the word and didn't do anything, his house was built on the sand. Now, what's interesting in this passage is both of them came under similar circumstances. How do we know that? Verse 25. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. Verse 27. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. So guess what? Just because we're born again doesn't mean I'm exempt from problems. When I get born again doesn't mean I'll never have problems again. Understand this as a Christian. Your house is going to get beat on. It's going to get blown on. It's going to get tough some days. But the difference is in the middle of the storm, I find out what's really in me. And when I hang on to the word, even though life is slapping me, and life is slapping some of you right now. Hang on to the word of God. Hang on to the promises because he said his house was built on a rock. And he stood, even in the storm. But the one who wouldn't do the word of God, his house was built on the sand. He said, great was his fall. And so in looking at this, this becomes a choice. Every one of us in this room today, we're hearing the word of God. What am I going to do with it? Am I a doer of the word or just a hearer? Something happens when I begin to obey the word of God. And I stay with it, and I stay with it, and I stay with it. You know, in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but I'll meditate or I'll recite it there and day and night that I may observe to do it, and then I'll make my way prosperous, and then I'll have good success. Now, a lot of Christians, we say this right here. Man, I'm speaking the word. I'm speaking the word. I'm speaking the word out of my mouth. I'm meditating on the word. I'm getting it in my mind. And then I'm going to have prosperity and good success. Actually, the last part of the verse says, then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. But we leave out one key ingredient because of what I just said, only 50% of that's true. It is important that you speak the word out of your mouth. You get my mouth lined up with the Word of God. And in Romans 12, I transform my mind by the renewing of it to the Word of God. But the problem is, we forget that one little word, that I may obey all that's written in it. And if I don't obey the Word of God, I'm going to get fat on the Word of God. I may know the word. You may be able to quote the word front, ways, backwards. You may have about 10 different translations. You may have the Shebrew, the homebrew, 
the Hebrew, all those. But if I don't do the word, he said my fall would be great. One more scripture here. The book of Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54, or Isaiah 55, I mean. Isaiah 55, now as you're turning there, man, I, I came across a proverb the other day that, that just, just brought life to me. It says in Proverbs 19.3, it says, people ruin their, their lives by their own foolishness, and then they're angry at God. I've been there. Where life didn't go the way I planned for it to go. And I got mad at God. And we do stuff just like this. Why is this happening to me, God? That's not fair, Father God. I've been serving you for 38 years. And you've never done this for me. But again, many times, guys, because of our foolishness or because our choices... We don't like it, and so it's easier to blame God than it is to look at me. See, I can take you to the the beginning of the Bible with the guy named Adam. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned? You know what the first thing that Adam said? He said, God, it's that woman. It's that woman. Ladies, that excuse has been around a long time. (laughs) See, it's that woman. And then you know what the second thing he said? It's that woman, God, that you gave me. If you would have let me just hang out with the monkeys and the chimps, I would have been better off. See, it's very easy to get that way where we blame God for everything when in reality, I probably haven't done the word. Whatever he says to you, do it. Isaiah 54, 5. Isaiah 55, verse 10. For as the rain come down and the snow from heaven... And they do not return there. You know what that means? When the rain falls on the earth and the snow, they don't go back up. They go back. They don't do that. What do they do? But they water the earth. And because it waters the earth, it makes it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. In other words, the rain blesses us. Now watch this. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It, the word of God, shall not return to me void. It shall not return to me empty. But it, the word of God, shall accomplish what I please. And it, the word of God, shall prosper in the things for which I sent it. And so the byproduct of the word of God is fruitfulness. It's going to happen because God said it. But it doesn't happen until we get a hold of it and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to obey it. I'm going to do it. See, just think for an illustration of this. I can know healing scriptures. I can know those things. But if I don't apply it, it does me no good. And one way I apply it, in Mark 16, he says, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. He said in the book of James chapter 5, he said, anoint him with oil and pray the prayer of faith over him. Not only will I forgive him, I'll heal him. But oftentimes we don't want to do those things. Why? Because they don't make sense to my natural mind. Well, when it comes to this stuff, a lot of times the Word of God doesn't make sense. I mean, when I got born again, does that make sense? No. You know why I say it doesn't make sense? When I gave my heart to Jesus, Jesus didn't stroll up out of nowhere and say, Hey, 
I'm Jesus. Here's my business card. I never saw Jesus. But something happened when I began to hear the word of God and faith came and I acted by the word and I said, Jesus, come into my heart. How about this? How many of you love to pray? When you pray, has God ever showed up and say, I'm God, buddy? No. I pray just like I'm talking to you right now. And I believe with all my heart, God hears me. I believe that with all my heart. Even though I've never seen God. It's kind of like the wind. I've never seen the wind. I've seen the effects of the wind, but I had not seen the wind. See, it's the same with God. This is the stuff with the word of God. That when I get a hold of this, let me tell you this in, in, in the Message Bible. It says, my word will complete the assignment I gave them. My word will complete the assignment that I gave them. That's, that's Isaiah 55. My word will complete the assignment when I act upon it and when I begin to obey it. And so again, when we look about the word of God and the things I'm talking about, the word of God's not multiple choice. It's like the Ten Commandments. Understand the Ten Commandments. He didn't say the Ten Suggestions. Well, I like that one. I don't like that one. No, I got to get where whatever he says to me, I do it. I get a hold of that and that gets on the inside of me. And so with just what I've said this morning, you fill in the blank just like the lame man. Do you want to be made well today? Do you want to be whatever you feel about? Do you want to be saved today? Do you want to be set free today? Do you want to be healed today? Do you want to be forgiven today? See, so much of that, the Lord puts that back into to my hand. And even in the area of forgiveness, he says, do you want to be forgiven today? Yes, God, I want to be forgiven. Well, he said, you know what, in John, uh, 1 John 1, 9, then confess your sin to me. And as you confess your sin to me, I'm faithful and just to forgive you. So again, I've got to act on that word. Here's another thought, and we'll end with this. Many times in our lives that when it comes to God doing stuff for us, because we're so brilliant and we, we know so much, we have this thought, God will do it just this way right here. This is how God's got to do it. This is what he's going to do. But again, I can't put God in a box. You know what I found out in life? You put God in a box, he'll get out. He'll get out. God's going to be God. And so I look at both these illustrations that we talked about in John and understand, you know what? God said this is how he's going to do it. He's going to stir the water up and let him stir it up. He's going to take water pots and turn them into a miracle. Let him do it. Again, there's some things that I'll just never know because you know what? I'm not God. But something happens when I say, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. And so much of this ties back into what this whole series has been. On my giving, I'm going to trust you. Will it be a step of faith? It'll be an incredible step of faith. I'll be the first one to, to, to mention that to you. It'll be a credible step of faith. But again, do I trust what the Bible said? Jesus said, give, and it'd be given back to you. Good measure, press down, shaken together, and running over. With the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. Again, do I believe that? Do I trust that? 35 years later in my life, I can tell you, I believe it and I can trust it. I'll stand before you today and say, God has blessed me. God has blessed my life. And he wants to bless you. And I'm just not talking about financially. 
God has blessed me with peace. I don't know about you, the older I get, I love the peace of God. In my opinion, nothing can replace the peace of God. You can have all the wealth in the world and not have peace and die a, a, a lonely old man. Or you can have the peace of God. I've been blessed with incredible mercy, incredible grace. I mean, I look at every avenue of my life, spirit, soul, and body. I am a blessed fella. And I'll tell you why. It's because of Jesus. I'm blessed. But part of this is getting out and saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.